John chapter 17. <laughs> John chapter 17. You know, um, we've been speaking about prayer, and um, I, I, I've, you know, I've thought about, gone through many of the prayers that have been outlined in the scripture, but this prayer is one, and there, there's, this whole chapter is a chapter of prayer, because Jesus is um, telling us, or, ex- or giving expression to, his prayer to the Father, and then uh, partway through it, uh, Jesus prays for his disciples, beginning at verse 6, and then Jesus prays for future believers, verse 20. So in chapter 17, beginning at verse 20, this is the prayer that Jesus prays for you and I. (laughs) So we've talked about how that we uh, look at prayer, how that we have spoken of the reasons why we pray. We talked about the threshold of prayer, entering into God's presence, repentance of our sins, asking for forgiveness, and and getting into the presence of God and worship, and making our statements... Whatever's on our heart, speaking it to God, addressing it to God. We've, we've talked about the attitudes that we need to have, the attitude towards God and uh, or the relational experiences that we have with others. If you have ought or against someone, if you have a problem with someone, you go and make it right, forgive as you have been forgiven. We've spoken about faith. But today we look at Jesus, his prayer for you and I. So I'm going to be, we're going to be reading from the uh, Message Bible. So do we have it? Good. John chapter 17, beginning at verse 20, and we're going to read through verse 26. Um, I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me. So not only for them, referring back to the previous verses in which he was praying for his disciples. He says, I'm not only praying for them, but I'm praying for the future, for those who will believe, and that's you and I. Because of them... And their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me, right where I am, so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world was never, has never known you, but I have known you. And these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made your your very being known to them, who you are and what you do, and continue to make it known, so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. So, you see, whenever we are praying, we're not praying to try and get the attention of God. You know, we're not trying to get his attention, like somehow we've got to do something to make God interested in us. Um, the, the, in in, in, in the, uh, Elijah, whenever he was on, the, on Mount Carmel, there were the prophets of Baal, and uh, God, Elijah presented a, a confrontation 
between the prophets of Baal and the God of Israel. Elijah was representing the God of Israel, and the prophets of Baal were representing um, Jezebel and uh, her, her foreign gods of Baal. Okay? So what happened was they set up a contest. And I was, I was, on my trip to Israel a few years ago, we went to Mount Carmel, and they have a big monument there where Elijah brought, you know, Elijah and this, this situation took place. And what happened was the prophets of Baal, they were cutting themselves, they were screaming and yelling and, you know, blood, and, you know, they, they were just trying to almost sacrifice themselves in order to get Baal's attention. And of course, Elijah is saying, well, maybe he's asleep. <laughs> you know, he's kind of poking them, you know. Hey, maybe Baal's asleep and you need to wake him up. So maybe you need to scream louder. Or maybe Baal needs something this and something that. And he's, con- he's riding them the whole time about their, their false god. And then when noontime comes, it's over for the prophets of Baal. They're done. Elijah's turn. So Elijah sends the people down over the hill, which is, it's a long way down, down to the creek, down to the river below, and he tells them to bring water up and dump on the sacrifice. And so he dug a, pit, he dug a, a, a moat around the, the um, sacrifice and around the stones where the sacrifice was, was placed, and he got them to run down over the hill and get this water and bring it up and dump on the sacrifice and get barrels of it and dump it on the sacrifice. And then Elijah prays, God, and God sends fire from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the stones, and consumes the water. That was a monumental moment when God manifests himself to bring bring attention to Elijah and to what Elijah was trying to proclaim. And then Elijah set out and he killed all the prophets of Baal. Well, and, and you know, they, well, that's a bad thing to do. Well, it was a bad thing in one way because, uh, you know, he killed all these people, but they were killing all the other prophets and, and Eli- to the point that Elijah felt he was the only one left that was serving God. So we are not trying to get the attention of God. We already have his attention. We are actually the focus of his attention. The one we are praying to is the one who is already looking at us. You see, his thoughts are constantly towards us. The scripture says he ever lives to make intercession for us. So God has a purpose for your life, our life, and he wants his will accomplished in us, and his focus is upon us as an individual. Now, I know we have a hard time grasping this because we try to make God like us. You know, how many of us, how many of you can focus on about 10 things at the same time? All you ladies, raise your hand because you can multitask. Men can't, right? You all knew that, right? Yes, yes. We won't go there. Okay, so (laughs) we call it multitasking, all right? Some people are able to multitask and some people are able to do more than one thing at one time. But God, and I always remember this, this story of this individual, and again, I, I don't put a lot of uh, stock in people who have, say they have died and been to heaven and come back. But if, you know, if it matches up with the scriptures, I believe them, okay? If it matches up with the word of God, it's a good thing. 
Well, this one individual that I heard a number of years ago, he said he was in the presence of God, and you know he had been he was killed in an accident or whatever, and that he was in heaven before God, and there he was in, with God, and he was talking to God, and he wasn't saying anything; he was thinking his thoughts, and and he was having you know he and he was aware of his thoughts and aware of God's response to his thoughts, and then as he was there, he said this. I was aware that the, the place where I was, there was a multitude of people. More than I could ever count or imagine. And they all were in communion with God. And then, I was, then he said, I was aware of all the people upon the earth praying. And God was giving to each one of them his undivided attention. And his thought at that moment was, God... How can I have your undivided attention when there is so many around me and so many on earth praying to you? And the thought that came to him was, at that moment was, that God said, there's enough of me that if everyone who has ever lived, I can give to each one of them my undivided attention. <laughs> because he is God. He is omnipotent. He's all-knowing, all-powerful. He is God. So we can't make God in our image. We want to recognize that we are understanding who he is. So God knows our thoughts, and his thoughts are constantly towards us as individuals. So we're not trying to get his attention. We are, we are, we are praying and bringing our thoughts to him and our needs to him because his thoughts are always towards us. Um, Jesus starts off by saying, I am praying not only for them, not only for the disciples, but also I am praying for those who will believe. Okay, everybody say, well, that's me. <laughs> that's me. Say it. That's me. Ready? That's me. Right. That's me. That's me Jesus is praying for. Because I am one of those who in the future, from this point of Scripture being written, will believe. That's me that Jesus is talking about. And Jesus has given us his word, he has given us himself, and he is the revealer of God, he is the, he is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. And it is, his, it is his word, it is Christ in us, the hope of glory, it is the word of God that gives us an understanding of what, who God is and what God wants to accomplish in our life, and he says, I'm praying for me, for all of those who will believe. And you see, the Holy Spirit then, the Holy Spirit makes this real to us. It's important that we, we understand that I can't know, I, you know, I, I can't know George Washington. <laughs> I can know about George Washington, but George Washington is dead. I can read about the history books and read about his character and things like that, but I can never know George. We're in speaking terms now. I can never know George. <laughs> Why? Because he's gone. But I can know Jesus because his spirit is with me. And the Holy Spirit has come to reveal the word to us. And that Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So in that understanding that God is with us and Jesus is praying for us and he's saying that and, and the Spirit of God is, is speaking to our hearts about the Word. 
And it is for his kingdom, God's kingdom, that we pray. Lord, your kingdom come, the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus is praying for us that we might build the kingdom of God. That we are part of that kingdom, and we are builders of that kingdom, and that our work and our service to God is about that kingdom. So God is focused on our lives to help us accomplish the good things in our life, to not only build our life, but we see as we are building our life, we are building the kingdom of God. Because it's not just about me building my own little kingdom. It's about you and I doing our part and as we are doing our part, we're, something, we're of something that is bigger than us. We are part of the body of Christ. We are part of the kingdom of God. And our life and our mission that we as a church, it's more than just taking care of our little community here in Wimber, but it's about how that we have an impact upon our lives and the lives of our community and upon our friends and family, but we're part of something greater than us, which is the kingdom of God. So whenever I am praying about needs in my own life, I am realizing that the needs in my own life are greater than my own little kingdom. They're about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is praying for me as praying for me that, his, that I will allow his will to be done in my life. His kingdom come in me and that I am on a mission that is greater than myself. See, I, I mentioned this on Thursday night whenever we were meeting to practice um, with the, the choir, not the choir, the, our choir, <laughs> I remember turning around years ago and spoke to the choir and there was about 15 empty chairs back here and never did, it didn't have anybody that sang. Well, we have a group, we, we have a wonderful group and we're going to keep growing and growing that group. But I, I mentioned on Thursday night that whenever I'm confronted with doing things that are way beyond what I feel I'm capable of doing, I always remember Esther. And whenever she is, you know, when, whenever she's confronted, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. That there is something greater. I, you know, here I am, I'm confronted with this, and it's a situation that is bigger than who I am. But there's nobody else around to do it but me. So therefore, I believe that God has brought me to this point because I'm here for his kingdom, not for mine. So therefore, I must develop who I am and, and continue to grow who I am to continue to meet the need of where I am in, in, in working with people and working in situations that I, I don't feel that qualified sometimes or, or, or don't have the training to do. But yet I know that God has me there for a purpose and that God it continues to give me the, the understanding or the insight that I need to help people where they are at. And they are, they are helped because they, they, you know, they believe or they tell me and the works, the fruits of what we've been able to do has, has, is evident. So in our own lives, whenever we are confronted with these things, we know that Jesus has prayed for us and that we are part of his kingdom and his kingdom in us is greater than ourselves. 
And if we were never challenged to be greater than who we are right now, where would we have stopped? We are all challenged to be greater than who we are. We're all challenged to grow beyond where we are at. We're all challenged in attitude and actions and and education and and experiences and and things like that. We're all challenged. And whenever we kind of give up on the challenge, we kind of lose our place and lose our direction. But God hasn't lost his direction. He's just changing directions for us. God has a new challenge for us. God has has a new challenge he's bringing into our life. And who knows whether God has brought you to this place and this moment of time to open our hearts and minds to the new challenge that he wants to do in us. You know, in school, you, you move to different grades and different teachers. Then you move, perhaps go on to college or go on to secondary education of some sort. But you're always going on and challenging. And, and, and then even after you, after you graduate, you're always being challenged, whether you go on to trade schools or working in a job or working with people. You're always challenged because you always meet some idiots. Excuse me. You always meet individuals who... <laughs> you always meet people who need more and don't know it (laughs) they need more of something or other and they just haven't got a clue so but anyhow God is challenging us always to grow and to change and to move on and grow on in our lives and our prayers then are not simply about us but our prayers are about the kingdom of God for you see the answer to our prayer it affects more than just us. It affects all the people around us. That's why we are to be people of prayer. And, you know, and it doesn't mean that we are ours. We are momentary bringing our requests to God. God, I have a problem with this. God, I have a, this is a need in my life. This is a need that I see in someone else's life. In our life, there are so many challenges, and sometimes we are so simplistic. Hmm. But our prayers are not about us, they are for the kingdom of God. Thy will be done in us. Thy will be done in us as it is in heaven. One heart and one mind, Jesus says in, in the text. The goal is for all of the, that the prayer, not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and one mind. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and one mind. All the people in one congregation or all the people in the world who are part of the body of Christ, that they have one heart and one mind, one mission. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and one mind, to be concerned for others as Christ is concerned for them. There is a unity among the believers based upon the believer's unity with Christ and with the Father. We pray for one another. (laughs) Forgive us as we have forgiven. We're in this together. Interconnection, the interconnectedness of life. That we are connected, not, we're, not a, we're not on a, a little island by ourselves. That we are in this. We bear one another's burdens so that they might be one heart and one mind. Jesus wants us to know that there is a oneness. Not just that there is a oneness among believers, but there is a oneness between God and I. Between God and us, there is a oneness. There is a, there is a place 
in this relational experience that we have that, I, that God is one with us. Tabby was singing about falling in love with God. And I thought of that in this message that he really loves me. He really, Jesus really loves me. Falling in love with God. Being in a relational experience where I know that he loves me. And he seeks only my highest good. And that he is praying for me. And the same glory you gave me, Jesus says, I gave them. That the same glory that you gave me, I give to them. That there is a, there is a relational place in, with us that exists between, that God wants to exist between us that is a place of glory. A glory of being God's ambassador. The glory of working God's miracles. Working God's miracles. Greater things than these shall you do because I go to the Father, Jesus says. And the glory of God working in us. And what is the glory of God? I think of the glory of God as speaking. Speaking the truth in love. And it creates something. It creates hope. Where people don't have hope. That where you speak the word of God... And people are encouraged where they have not been or felt encouraged before. That you can say something that will bring life to people who feel like they are dead on the inside. The miracle of giving hope to someone who doesn't have it. I believe in God. I got his picture. (laughs) How can you bring hope to, a, to people, to an individual who doesn't have hope, only that, but there is, word, there is life in your words because there's life in God. And when God's word is in you, you have a profound experience. You have a profound impact upon people. The glory of working miracles, the glory of God's gifts, the glory of God's fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience I mean, sometimes I'm lacking in some gifts (laughs) and fruits. Not sometimes, many times. But we still have that connectedness in which they will grow. That he is in us. We are unified. We are together. And the glory of God's covenant, the glory of God's agreement, the glory of God's contract Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in us. And God is praying that this would happen in us. Jesus is praying that we might have all of this in our life, that we are never alone, that there is nothing impossible with God, that there is faith to build our lives on. Why, how can we build who we are? We build who we are by the glory of God and the power of God and the presence of God. Strength to do the will of God. Jesus is praying that we might have this in us. And he goes on to say, so they will be as unified and together as we are. Jesus says that they, you and I, with God, with Christ, would be as unified as Jesus is with the Father. As Jesus is unified and united with the Father, so he wants us to be united with him. 
then they will be mature in this oneness. Mature. You see, the worldly character, the character that is anti-God, sets people at odds against each other. That we're in competition. But in the kingdom of God, the maturity of the Christian is that we are not in competition. We are here to complement and to build each other up, to be in the greatest encouragers, to speak the word of hope and of faith, and that you can do this. If you have the abilities, if we have the character, and we have the abilities to do this, but we need God to t- kind of take those things and take them to a different level. God's kingdom is working for a divine good. There's no contest in the kingdom. Only compliments and access to help. For we are to give godly evidence to a godless world that God has sent us. And how do you do that? By their love shall all men know that you are God's children. Jesus declares to us in this prayer that you and I God sent me and loved them in the same way you loved me. God is saying that, telling us that God loves us in the same way that God loved, loves Jesus. And we live in that empowerment. We live in that place. By this it will appear that God has loved us if we love one another. Verse 24, Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am. It isn't that we got to go somewhere. We just have to be here with God. In our life, in our love, in our, in our present situation, Jesus is with us. And I am with God and he is with me. And he goes on to say, I have known you. I have made you For I have made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do. Jesus prays, I have known you. I have made your very being known to them, to us. And he goes on to say, and continue to make it known. It's ongoing. That this relational experience that we have with God is an ongoing experience so that your love for me might be in them. Exactly as I am in them. And this is the, the concluding phrase. Exactly as Christ is in us. Who you are and what you do and continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. Exactly as Christ is in us. So too, that's how much we continue to grow and to believe and to accept and to excel because we can't give of what we don't have. We fill our lives with Christ. I know I use this, it just came to mind. You know how to catch monkeys? Remember that? You know how to catch a monkey? You put a barrel out there and you drill holes in it 
and you put something inside that the monkey wants, and what happens? Sticks his hand in there, grabs hold of it, and he's caught. Why? He doesn't know enough to let go. That's how they catch monkeys. Dr. Furigay, I have told this story one, someplace where he was at, and he says, yeah, that's how we used to do it in the Philippines. <laughs> and you see, in our life, when we learn to let go of our sin, our failures, we escape from the catch of our sin. And we open our hearts and lives to Christ to be receptive. That's why we raise our hands. We open them up. It's like, I'm, I'm ready to receive. And so we are depicted as receiving. And as the more we receive of Christ, the more we're able to understand about forgiveness and love, doing the work of God, the mission of God, the purpose of God, the will of God. So God, fill me with your presence and fill me up, Lord, with your love. And the exact amount of what I have allowed for Christ to come into my life is the amount of which I'm able to believe, be, be, be able to change my life, and be able to go on with the work that God has called me to. For he has called us to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. And he ever lives to make intercession for us. He prays for us. We're not trying to get his attention. He, we, we have his undivided attention. So while we're offering our prayers, we're offering up the hope that is already in there, given to us by Christ. It's like God has given this to us. We take it in. We accept it. We understand it. And we pray it back to God. And in that cycle of things, we have that we are refreshed. We are educated. We are changed. We are becoming the image of Christ as his spirit flows through us and changes us. And the more we know of his word, the more we pray it and the more we expect it. And the more we expect it, the more his presence comes and changes us. And the more his presence comes and changes us, the more we offer up to God. And it's like we become, we're becoming in this process of coming and becoming and changing, and God's Spirit is working in us. And as we come together to celebrate our faith, we give our tithes and our offerings. We are giving them to God, and God is plant, we're planting seeds in the kingdom of God, and God is going to bring a harvest. And the harvest we give of that, we give a portion of that harvest back to God, and God brings more harvest, in, brings you know, more fruit and seeds into our life. We love people and we forgive people, and the more we love and forgive, the more we, are, we recognize that we are forgiven. And I, I am forgiven because of my sins, and, and my sins are forgiven, so I forgive others. And as I forgive others, it's coming back down to me that there is love in my heart for people I don't even know. So I pray for them. I pray for people I don't even know. But what happens to me is more grace is given into my life, and I am changing. And I'm letting go of things that don't have place in my life. And Jesus is constantly praying for us. And I am worshiping him. And as I worship him... I find his presence coming into my life. Shall we stand?